0: Why didn't you like this movie?
1: <laughs> you know, Ricky. So it's funny. So we're talking about this movie, Once Around, right? Like, why didn't you like this movie?
0: It's it's a simple question. Why didn't you like this
1: movie? Okay, so Ricky had been. I watched it first, and I I was kind of distracted, and I, I was having a good time, but then I also kind of didn't like it. And you were texting me, and you like you loved it so much. You said you teared up several times. Yes. I told you I didn't like it very much, and you went. Oh, did the file not work? (laughs) I was like, like it was so outside the realm of possibility. It must have been a technical error, like you know. And I, but I had thirty minutes left. I hadn't finished it. So today, I sat down and watched it in headphones, like just on my laptop, just me, me and the movie. And I watched the last like 25 minutes and I cried like two and a half times. And I was like, I really actually like this a lot. Like I still have things I don't like about it, but I, and then I actually did a bunch of research on them, not a bunch of research, but some research on the movie. It made me like it even more. And I was like, Oh no, this is great. I think this movie is great. I completely take it back. Um, I think this movie is great. I think this movie is great. Ricky. I must be the luckiest guy alive. Fly me to the moon and let me play. I've got one daughter safely married off. i fair an affair. I'm not listening to this with a mutual friend. Ah! I've got a beautiful wife. What is this? You told me you're a big hockey star in high school. Field hockey. And another daughter still looking. I want you to say you are the woman who will change my life. I
0: think my life's pretty good.
1: You okay? Can I sleep with you and Daddy? Sure. Why don't you get your pillow, honey? Come back. Then one day, Renata met Sam.
0: Let me shake the hand of the first man that my little rosebud ever loved.
1: I was Wild, afraid to excite you any more than I did already. Buddy Duddy sex goddess. Sam! <laughs> Who's the guy? Who is this incredibly well-dressed guy? My new boyfriend. <laughs> No, no, come on, who's he really? I, of course, was born in the 40s. That's why I have such intense passions. God! What do you think? I think you should take it slow. That's it. (laughs) Oh, Joe! Imagine that guy on a
0: day-to-day basis. You're gonna get plenty of chances to get to know me.
1: (laughs) Does anyone care that Renata's spending day and night with some bozo? Dad! We don't know a thing about this guy. I hope you both have a lifetime of great sex and joy. He's living with us for some weird reason. I'm sick of it. Sick. Sick. Now, you have had free reign over us, but I'm telling you, as of this moment, it's over. You're tearing us all apart. Renata, no one can tear your family apart. That man. I love that he's different. This is my adventure, Dad. If you don't get it, well, I'm sorry. Universal Pictures. No, no. first and Cinecom Entertainment present Richard Dreyfuss, Holly Hunter, Danny Aiello, Laura Giacomo, and Jenna Rollins in a new film from Lassa Hallstrom, director of My Life as a Dog.
0: I had the greatest time of my life. Come on, Once Around! Once Around. On that note, welcome to... Uh... Another episode <laughs> of Thirty Years Later. Uh, I'm your host Ricky Camilleri with co-host Chris Chafin, or he's the host and I'm the co-host. However, you know I'm, I defer to him. Um, yeah, I don't like to take I'm, top billing.
1: I'm the host and you're the co-host. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, fine.
0: That's fine. You can take top billing. Uh, and today we're talking about. Uh, a, I will say an underrated, little-known gem of a movie that I think deserves a, a much better placement in the canon of movies of of this kind. And it's it's called Once Around. It's directed by Lassie Holstrom. It's his first American film after uh, My Life as a Dog. Um, And uh, after this, he did What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Chocolat, a lot of of movies. And uh, it stars Holly Hunter, Richard Dreyfuss, who's also one of the producers, Danny Aiello, Gina Rollins, uh, Laura San Giacomo, and um it's a film about Griffin Dunn, uh,
1: also one of the producers.
0: That's right, Griffin Dunn, also one of the producers. And the way that the movie got made is that Griffin Dunn and his producing partner, who was his who whose name slips my mind, but was also his producing partner on After Hours, the Scorsese directed uh, film starring Griffin Dunn, found this script via uh, the screenwriter who wrote it as a Columbia graduate film graduate student. Her name's uh, Malia Scotch Marmo. And they bought the script off of her, and right from there, the, uh, Steven Spielberg heard about her and hired her, while the movie was in production, to write Hook. While Once Around was in production, he hired her to write Hook, and while she was writing Hook, she wrote a draft of Jurassic Park as well. Um, so she basically wrote this great script in graduate school and immediately became like top billed talent in hollywood working with like a like the a-listers i
1: mean it's so wild to me that spielberg found her while she was on production of her first film which was also a student project and and then like she's ended up writing hook which is a great movie i mean that's and well i think it's pretty obvious she's like from this movie once around that she is
0: a a great writer very briefly um what the movie is about is uh, this Massachusetts family, um, fairly middle, a middle-class family. I mean, from, from they're probably middle-class in 1990 when the yeah. movie was made, but from our viewpoint uh, uh, in 2021, they look like upper
1: middle-class. Like unimaginably <laughs> because... wealthy. It's so weird because, I mean, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but Danny Aiello is the dad and he's got this very like, you know, he's supposed to be this Italian guy and they're always having these arguments and the Italian attractor. It seems like he's very blue collar and then they'll cut to the exterior of the house and it's literally, it's like seven stories. It's like a full city block wide, you know?
0: It's and like you're a like a suburb right outside Boston. So it's like an Alston Mass or something, which is just yeah. like incredibly, incredibly wealthy. Yeah, this, this is moment. like an $8 million house that
1: these people live in.
0: Yeah. Um, but they have a very tight knit family. They haven't left the town. Holly Hunter um, is their it opens on Laura San Giacomo's wedding day. Holly Hunter is her sister. And, um, after the wedding, um, her boyfriend says that he's not going to marry her boyfriend played by Griffin Dunn. says he's not going to marry her. She's married. She goes, Holly Hunter goes on a trip to learn about how to sell condos like, um, Bahama condo, Bahamanian condos to people in Boston where she meets the star salesman, Richard Dreyfuss, just like a wild man, arrogant guy who then, um, they fall in love and she brings him back to the family. And, Hijinks ensue, and while that sounds like a uh you know, a high con a concept concept comedy or situational comedy, it's actually a much more human, beautiful, uh subtle film than that. And we'll get more into the details of it On
1: but. the setup like you're talking about, it occurred to me somewhere near the end of the movie that this it's almost the basic setup of like, what about Bob? But like Richard Dreyfus is Bob in this movie, you know? Yes. But it's a drama. It's obviously a very serious, realistic, human, emotional drama. But it basically is like, what if this super crazy guy got introduced to your family? Like, what kind of hijinks would ensue? <laughs> but it's done now, so seriously, you know?
0: You know, I, so I was reading Roger Ebert's review, which we, I want to talk about in a little while because I, I like his review a lot. But what I want to mention now is at the beginning of the review, he says, Richard Dreyfuss's character is so obnoxious and so terrible that he it's an incredible job by Dreyfus because the man is impossible to like. And I was watching the movie and I did not feel that way at all. I loved this character like right from the beginning. I was just like, he's an individual. This is his personality. He makes dirty jokes. You know, he's always trying to make people laugh and make them happy. And this is how he sees his, is an ability to do it. And, you know, it, to me, it was kind of the family's problem.
1: No, that I he, agree. I
0: agree. And take him it wasn't Richard Dreyfus's behavior it was their
1: inability to take an outsider well I agree that and it's the it was the family's issue and not his issue in a lot of in a lot of ways but I am sure we'll talk about it more later but like I do agree with Roger Ebert that probably Dreyfus is bringing so much to this part because it is it's like and he's supposed to be an obnoxious foul-mouthed salesman character right who's always making dirty jokes he stuffs there's a scene where he stuffs money in a belly dancer's bra and he's being he's kind of overbearing but there's something about if you just describe that character you get a certain kind of picture, but there's something about Richard Dreyfuss doing it that completely flips it on his head because he seems very kind of needy and he seems kind of like vaguely pathetic, but like he's really, really is seeking your approval. Like every time he makes a dirty joke, he looks at somebody so expectantly, like, are you going to laugh or are you not going to laugh? And then most of the time they laugh and he's so happy and then sometimes they don't and it's awful. But it's like so interesting to see this character played in this way by this person uh, it was fascinating, and it would not be the same if anyone else did it. And he—I don't think Richard Davis has played a lot of parts like this in his career. No, it I was very interesting.
0: interesting. He's usually a version of the straight man. Yeah, exactly. You know, like to have something so off-color and, and just off and, and and weird. There's that great scene where, uh, you know, he's been Holly Hunter and him live in her family's house for what seems like a week or two because she doesn't want to leave the town and he doesn't want to leave her. He's deeply in love with her. It's beautiful how much his character is in love with well, her. Well, the
1: interesting thing too is at first, you know, it's like he seems very sincere, but then also you're like, but is he just full of shit? And like that is the attitude the movie wants you to have. But, but I not. was I was genuinely going through those emotions as a viewer, I think.
0: Yeah, but but he's not full of shit. And that's what's so one that's like when you realize he's not full of shit, it's wonderful. Exactly. When, I agree. Even, even when you realize he's not full of shit, and that's wonderful, you're still waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Like, right. when is he gonna like cheat on her? When right. is he gonna like arrogance and his his um his hubris gonna get the best of him and the way that it gets the best of him is in the most subtle human way it just seems he so
1: just, real that that's this scene the big blow-up scene it's like yeah, and, and he, he just, doesn't even necessarily really do anything that wrong like kind of but like it's not that big of a deal
0: you just can't realize that his approach to healing or to entertaining or to like, you know, being warm, isn't welcome in a specific setting, you know?
1: Like he's genuinely trying to help everyone the best he can. And he really thinks like, if we just all do this thing, it's going to be so great and you guys are going to love it. But they are just like, it's, this is, this is like the funeral for a member of our family. Like this has nothing to do with you. You need to sit down, you know? Right,
0: like, this is, not how we do it and then that extends later to the to the um the other big uh, baptism but that's very very far into the movie um but what's wonderful about this movie is it's set up as a situational comedy and then all of a sudden it just becomes a human story about all these people and there's all these like wonderful moments between the performances are lovely all around
1: they're all great you know they're all so believe me danny aiello like come on
0: Danny Aiello and Gina Rollins are so wonderful together. And there's this great scene where she's, they they pick up Danny Aiello in a limo when Holly Hunter comes back from, from from the Bahamas with Richard Dreyfuss. And they drive up to the house and Gina Rollins is like on a ladder painting, um, you know, like a part of the house or something. And Aiello runs out of the limo. He's like, what are you doing up there? Get down from there. You're going to hurt yourself. And then she kind of laughs. And then she comes down like, most of the way and then falls into his arms but it's not a big deal it's almost like it's almost like it's off camera but it's just a little detail of how like playful and loving this couple is and it's like little moments like that that makes so much of the movie believable and warm and i I, you know i found the movie to be like a warm blanket and like did not
1: (laughs) end at all yeah no i mean it is like i i love the relationship between them i love the danny aiello like He's got this way of being in this movie where he's, you know, if you want to be like reductionist, you could say he's like yelling in every single scene, but he's really not, but it's just, he seems so like emotionally open to everyone. And that, that he's like really sincerely, you know, trying to connect with everyone around him all the time. But he's also like trying to be the big dad. And like, sometimes he has to, but he's also like trying to, like there's in the big blow up scene. That's like way, way later at the movie, the baptism scene you're talking about. It's the way he handles this is a, so amazing. It's this family dinner that's gone completely crazy. Everyone's screaming at each other. And he's like, he says to Laura San Giacomo and her husband, or no, it's uh, his other son. Who who is that played by?
0: I'm not I'm not sure who it's played by. His other uh, son and
1: his wife. They've gotten in a big fight with uh with Richard Dreyfus. He's like, Look, get in your car, go home. You did nothing wrong. He's like, You? He's Laura San Giacomo and her husband. He's like, You two, go to your rooms, okay? And he's like, Now, honey because he's your husband, I'm going to ask you, ask him to wait in the car. Okay. <laughs> it's like, there's this kind of threat of violence underneath it, but there's also, it's just so loving at the same time. It's it's fascinating. It's so deep. But also he is
0: way off, right? Like his response and oh, yeah, his he's wrong.
1: He's totally wrong. Yeah.
0: Is wrong. And she is right. But the movie doesn't make him a villain. It just makes him wrong because right. then she storms out and what she says to him is correct. She says, you need to love me. This is my adventure. And, you know, and she's right. And you can see in his face in that moment that he knows yeah. that he fucked up and his wife knows that he fucked up. And then, you know, there's the great scene where they all show in the, in the next scene when they're at the uh, uh, at the baptism and you don't think the family
1: is going to show up. The whole family shows up and I started crying. Yeah, I know. I thought it was one of the times I started crying also. Yeah. It's so sweet. Oh my God. It's so sweet and it's so supportive.
0: And it's also not, it's like another movie would do this and it wouldn't work because it would be played too big. You know, it'd yeah. be like the absolute last minute that they got there and we would be a part of the chasing of them getting there. Maybe they'd be stuck in traffic or something, you know? And it's not that. They just showed up. They just got there yeah. and the whole family's there and they forgot about they realized that the problem, the thing that was stopping them from going, was kind of on them and they were wrong.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, like you're saying, it's just, it's handled really well. Uh, I think that something to talk about about this movie is like, the way that it's, it's amazingly directed like it's beautiful oh. beautiful to look at and things That's like cooler. this you're talking about are handled so well like like I genuinely did not see it coming that they were going to come and in another movie it would be telegraphed from like a million miles away like in this movie I was like well I guess they're not coming <laughs> you know like it didn't even enter my mind but it's just it's because it's such a it's such a well put together movie I was watching it and I was thinking like they just if you're making a movie for adults like this these days especially that one is almost like a family comedy there's no way in hell it's gonna like look as beautiful as this movie looks
0: no way in hell it's not gonna look as beautiful and honestly it's probably not gonna be written as well right it's not gonna be as and by as well i mean it's not gonna be written as adult it's not gonna have like that would be the end of the movie showing showing up for the for the baptism it would be telegraphed and like we said there'd be like a a chasing but that's not the end of the movie here something else happens and then another thing happens and then that brings them even closer and then this brings them closer and then another thing happens right and then when the eventual like climax moment takes place the the resolution is completely different than what you're expecting in terms of how holly hunter ends the movie her final moment i guess i don't really want to get there yet until we get there but you're the movie is constantly playing with your expectations and yeah. then you know, going in a, a slightly different direction while maintaining the satisfaction, I think, of like what your expectations were hoping for in a way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. <laughs> do we want to like go, ba- do you want to go back and start at the beginning yeah. or like what do you, how do you yeah. want to, how do you want to, how, how do you want to do this, friend?
0: Um. So, she brings richard dreyfus home and well um, i not like they... to even
1: like not to sorry to interrupt you i know i prompted you to talk and then i immediately <laughs> interrupted you <laughs> But like we I one of the first times in the movie, I thought something really, really remarkable was happening is when they're introducing Richard Dreyfuss's character. (laughs) She's gone to this conference in the Bahamas to learn how to sell condos, which this is one of the things I thought was confusing. To be 100 percent clear, I wasn't paying strict attention to the TV. But right. She's it's, it's about her family in Boston. She has a fight with her boyfriend. It's her sister's wedding. Her sister's maybe cheating on her husband, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, she's in the Bahamas all of a sudden. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I understand. She
0: had, a, she had a breakup and they're sending her, you know, she's trying to go find herself in some capacity. I, I know.
1: It's set up her. very quickly in the, like, car on the way to the airport. The concept that this is happening. But, like, whatever, <laughs> who cares? But I, I found that a little confusing
0: you got to pay attention.
1: Yeah. Fair. Um, but the way they introduce Richard drive is he's standing on a cliff in a like white suit against this sunset that like is the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life, (laughs) you know? And she's like watching him. And I, I, I just can't communicate enough how beautiful this sunset is. This like incredible spectrum of oranges and pinks. And he's in silhouette with the wind smashing his hair back. But it's also not like a joke. It's just like that just is the shot, you know? And it's also Richard Dreyfus. So
0: he's tiny and old. <laughs> and it's not like he looks, it's not like. He is in that shot and looks different, and then shows up and is Richard Dreyfus. Like you know, it's Richard Dreyfus, and you know what she's looking at, but she's taken by him. And so there's something, there is something kind of funny uh, 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 yeah. about this moment, yet yet still beautiful. Which is another example of like the line that the movie, like the kind of warmth and beauty that the film creates, which is that there is a sense of humor that is not a mocking one, but is just sort of like, isn't life funny? Kind of thing underwriting all of these moments in
1: the movie. Yeah, right. And then the next thing we see is him as he's on, he's on the stage. He's like the most experienced, you know, most successful condo seller, you know, and he's giving this awful presentation where he, he is being charming, but he's making all these dirty jokes that are like kind of gross and weird. And, you know,
0: his first thing he says on the stage is, uh, is uh, Hey, what's that a microphone in your pocket? Are you happy to you just happy to see me? And everybody loves it. <laughs> And he uses that later in his wedding speech. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doesn't he tell like a dick joke too or something like immediately after that on the stage to yeah. like sort of loosen everybody up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know if you watched Becoming a God in Central Florida, but there's like a character in that show who like almost is this exact same character, but it's so different. It's like the show's about this kind of like Amway like pyramid scheme in Florida in the 80s. And the head of it is this character, Hobie Garbo, who is a white haired, mustachioed uh, salesman who always wears a white suit and is like gives motivational speeches and is like a super successful salesman. So it is like very similar in that way, but it couldn't he's supposed to be some kind of like curmudgeonly, frightening, you know, possibly murderous person. So to see that character like, but it's Richard Dreyfuss and he's like being kind of a weird sweetheart, you know? And this is really interesting too, is Holly Hunter is there up to then we've seen her. She's been like shit upon. She's the daughter, nobody, you know, she's like kind of the fuck up daughter. Her boyfriend dumps her, but she goes on this Bahamas thing and she's wearing this like beautiful dress and she's like really low cut and her hair looks great. And when they meet, it's like, I I wrote in my notes, I was like, oh, Richard Dreyfus thinks she is a hot girl, which like she is a hot girl, but like never in her life until this moment has anyone thought of her that way. And I thought that was really interesting and well done. And it's not like overplayed or anything. It's just kind of like happens.
0: No, those early scenes between the two of them are, I found them to be the most stilted moments in the movie, but I think they're kind of playing it that way because they're just meeting and they don't really know each other. But then it immediately, by the time they get back to the States and they're in the airport and she has that monologue about seeing him and knowing that that was going to be the man that she married, I was in. I mean, only Holly Hunter at this point in her, her career, I feel could make a monologue like that. Believable. Well, this you know, is the that, thing that, that's the monologue right out of Cameron Crowe. This is another thing. Really, I don't really hard to make that work.
1: Like I don't love about this movie in general. I mean, there are some things where you can say like, Oh, this is a graduate film school writing project like yeah okay i can see that like it's called once around and they make they literally say once around in the movie there's like a big uh roundabout they're always driving around at like emotionally pivotal parts of the movie and then also danny aiello gets a uh pottery wheel that he's using a lot it's like they're hitting the once around concept a lot but one of them i think is this thing it's it's written in almost a play a playy way which i thought when you were going on about how much you liked it and I was like, I thought it sucked. I was like, well, of course Ricky likes it. It's got all these fucking like play monologues where people talk about their emotions like very on the nose. Like that kind of stuff I wasn't crazy about in this movie. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes I didn't feel that it worked.
0: I, I, I you know, I, I, understand, I, under, I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. But I, uh, I think that Holly Hunter, again, at this period of time in her career, I mean, Holly Hunter is always great, but Holly Hunter specifically Raising Arizona Broadcast News and now Once Around, yeah. to me, she can kind of do no wrong and she's this sort of effortlessly funny, she's like an incredible screwball comedy actress. Um, even though this isn't a screwball comedy, she's just so believable and and quirky that she can kind of make almost anything work for me except for a Boston accent. She, I'm glad that. <laughs> she seems to abandon it about halfway through the movie. It's
1: pretty like up and down as to which of the characters have accents and like how (laughs) thick they are, except Danny Aiello. He's very committed. He just talks like an Italian person from New York. Like that's,
0: yeah, he just talks like fucking Danny Aiello. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm
0: I'm not doing that
1: shit. Jenna Rollins, like, I don't know, you know, and then uh, Laura San Giacomo, like she's kind of doing one.
0: I mean, Holly Hunter's really the only one that's trying one, and it's kind of only in the early scenes of the movie. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing is, is that I like, uh, I, I, I do, you're right, I do like when there is good writing that channels the writing sometimes, you know? Like, there's nothing worse than bad writing that believes in itself and overchannels it, uh, a la Kevin Smith or something. <laughs> you know, which is, like, the worst writing possible, but believes that it's wonderful and hilarious and is constantly trying to show you how funny and hilarious it is. But Tarantino does that, but Tarantino's actually a good writer and funny and 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 hilarious. So well, that's like,
1: the problem is that means, Tarantino's actually like, good at it and everybody that like tries to do it is not. So it's like Yeah.
0: It's bad. By all means, you know, or like Max Landis, right, who it's like it's unclear if he was trying I mean I guess he doesn't really work anymore, but it's unclear <laughs> if he trying to channel his writing or he just didn't know how to write a scene that was less than like 22 pages no i don't right?
1: think. I, I just think that to him that's what cool filmmaking is
0: right constantly like referencing like your own dialogue like constantly being like you know like there's a him and kevin smith are like the type of writers who think it's really smart when an actor is kind of like okay now i'm gonna do that thing where i i mean they literally say this on screen Time for me to do that thing where I tell you everything that's going to happen in the next ten minutes or something like that, you know. That's not smart. Just write, just write the stuff that's happening. There, you know, you don't need to like. Yeah, did you you watch
1: Bright? (laughs) Did you watch Bright? What did you think about Bright?
0: I watched ten minutes of Bright, fifteen minutes of Bright, and the entire fifteen minutes that I watched seemed to be one scene between Will Smith and his wife in the kitchen. And I was like, you can't write a better if you can't write a shorter scene than this a better shorter scene than this get the fuck out of here because this is pointless bullshit to begin with
1: ricky what you weren't getting was it was a reference to a similar but much better scene in independence day where it's like the kitchen looks exactly the same and it's shot in the same way except that in independence day the scene is like 30 seconds long and is really good whereas in bright (laughs) it lasts 15 minutes and sucks
0: in independence day it's will smith and fucking yeah, young David fox,
1: fox like who's like in her underwear or something you know yeah and
0: they're and they're and they're like baby don't go to the club today and she's like but honey's gotta work be careful out there he's like all right love you
1: love and you they're too. like what's that and then it's a spaceship you know like
0: done right in this movie it's like oh i just woke up oh me too i just woke up too do you want breakfast yeah i'll take breakfast what are you gonna have for breakfast oh probably maybe some pancakes What's going on out there? Are you going to work? Yeah, I'll go to work today. Oh, what do you do? Oh, that's good baby. I told you. Don't clean the kitchen too much. You clean too much and it gets too clean. It gets like a little spick and spam. You know what I'm talking about, girl. And then she's like, stop it. Leave me alone. Like, don't get hurt out there. I don't like this job that you're on right now. You know the job. The job, is, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And you're kind of like, I'm sorry, is, did someone, is there a writer? Is there a director? What happened here? This feels like the first draft of a screenplay. Well, that... that's the thing.
1: That's the thing is when you're privileged, you don't get enough negative feedback. I think it it probably fucking was the first draft of the screenplay. You know, everybody was I mean, just like, "Yeah, this is great."
0: You know what's interesting? Like, there's there's two types of first draft. I mean, there's many types of first drafts. So I don't want to over uh, simplify and generalize here, but really, like, two types of first screen- drafts. Right? There's the first draft that is like a great writer with a billion ideas. Right where you get 200 pages of just incredible shit, right? And like the scenes almost come fully formed, but maybe they need a little tweaking or editing, right? And then you get the rough draft that I would write, yeah. and then Max Landis would write, which is that I just gotta get to the end of this. I just exactly. gotta get
1: to I don't know exactly what's happening, like, but I need to get to the end and then we can go back and make it better, you know? Like, right. Yeah, that's, that's how the, I write but, also.
0: And that's how you get 30 page scenes right? Because you're just like fucking trying to get somewhere, trying to get to the end and you haven't actually really buckled down and been like, what's this scene about? Where are we going? Why am I doing this? What's this for? What do they want? You're just like, oh, it's him and his wife.
1: I'm like, what are stuff you, what's, what's stuff you say to your wife? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you, you like eggs? Oh, you know, I like eggs. Uh,
0: (laughs) baby, you know, I like eggs.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember Mrs. Johnson's barbecue last week? Oh, don't remind me. (laughs) Is it
0: is it racist to do a, a Will Smith impression and be and to be white? I wasn't doing
1: a Will Smith, I was just doing a bad acting impression. I wasn't. Yeah, but
0: I was doing like a slight Will Smith impression.
1: And well, so yeah, you Smith, were being racist. I was fine, but you were being racist.
0: It, stop. Though. is it I feel like it's racist. I feel like it's racist to do like a Jamie Fox impression. But is I don't know if it's racist to do a Will Smith impression.
1: I think the more you talk about it, the more racist it gets because now we're into the realm of judging like things. I don't think we should be in the position to judge, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, I'm not going to talk about this in public, just on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Just to, just to whoever this is that's listening to this. Yeah. Like, um,
0: but if you, I think, I think
1: doing a stereotypical, like, you know, black guy voice is generally bad.
0: But was I doing? Is it a stereotypical black guy voice
1: to try to? I think to, if you're doing a, an impression you know, of a specific person, it's not like you're wearing blackface or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like if I was doing an impression of, like, um, Bodhi from The Wire, right? That mm-hmm. could potentially come off because no one knows yeah. who he is, you know? But if I'm doing Will Smith and I'm like, you know, welcome to Earth, I think that's right? fine. That's fine. That's yeah. fine, right? That's fine, yeah. But if I'm like, but but if I'm doing Will Smith and I'm like, baby, you know I like eggs. <laughs> that's not good? That's well, not
1: that's good? good? Well, look, I mean, these are two of Will Smith's most famous catchphrases. Welcome to Earth. And then, you know what, baby, you, you know, know I, like. I like eggs. Everybody's <laughs> heard that so many times. He did it at the MTV Awards a million times, you know. It's totally there fine. Will, your movie just grossed $3 billion worldwide. How do you feel? He goes, Baby, you know
0: I like eggs.
1: <laughs> and then in later movies, it's kind of like a joke. And like in like I Am Legend, he opens a thing and it's all eggs. And he goes, I hate eggs. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a joke for the audience, you know? Because they
0: had to start making jokes because prior to the when the, when it started becoming a joke, they didn't really know how to use it anymore. So he was like, you know, like shooting zombies or like killing, he like punched a bad guy in the face one time in that one movie and he was like, you know, I like eggs.
1: <laughs> and people were kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. They're that like, doesn't work so really is, really is, the, is the other guy the egg in this situation? Yeah, but in that case, it seems like he hates it. eggs. So I don't- Yeah. 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 <laughs> they would just give
0: bad guys eggs in scenes. <laughs> so that he could say the catchphrase it was getting out of hand
1: it's it getting get it out of, out of hand. hand did you ever you watched the well whatever never mind uh vincent price was the egg man in the old batman things uh he oh, that- used to say excellent and stuff like that it was like pretty dope it was pretty
0: dope have you ever seen flamingos
1: uh no i haven't actually
0: uh there's a character in it um edie edie might be the actress i can't remember the name of the character's name but she's um a uh uh a large woman who sits in a baby's crib in the trailer and cries for her egg man and goes and goes, Cotton, where's the egg man gonna come? I need my eggy waggies. When is my egg man gonna come? And she's like in in a nighty, and then the egg man comes and she's just rubbing raw eggs all over her tits and body. <laughs> uh,
1: great. and That rules. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, so baby, like eggs you know I love eggs, baby, you know I love eggs. <laughs> and of course, he was the yeah. spokesman for the American Egg Association for many years. Obviously, that was a big thing, you know
0: I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say one time. I do think that will Smith has reached a place in 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 culture, in our in in the culture where it is okay as a white person to do an impression of him.
1: I think that, I think if you are doing, if you're saying welcome to earth, I think that's fine to say it. I think lots of things, I think you can do an impression of Will Smith. Yes. You know, I mean, I think Fred Armisen can do it, you know? So like,
0: (laughs) I mean, like think, try to think, think of one character Will Smith has played in the last 30 years, 20, 25 years. Where he is playing something that, like, in doing that impression, you would come across as doing a racist caricature of an African-American. I can't think of one.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe some, of the, maybe some of the Independence Day stuff, if you're really, like, play, hamming it up in a certain way, you know. Or, like, uh, maybe some Rush Hour stuff, you know.
0: It wasn't in Rush Hour, dude. Oh, shit. That's you. you not know. rush.
1: No, I didn't mean to say rush hour. I didn't. I didn't mean rush hour. I did not mean rush hour. I meant the bad. I meant bad boys. Bad boys is what I meant.
0: Backpedal out of this one. Bad
1: boys. Literally, I meant to say bad boys. I know he's not in rush hour.
0: I for the last six to ten minutes have been trying to be the racist, and hmm. turns out
1: you are the racist. Fuck you. Fuck you. I can't. look like, I today, I was feeding uh, my baby dinner, and I she kept dropping the spoon and many times I picked it up and I put it on her tray and I said no the straw goes here you have to put the straw here this is where the straw goes and then i was like fuck i think i had a stroke <laughs> like i i don't know are what you, the word is for this
0: are you trying to use your baby as a shield to block you from the racist vibes that you're giving off
1: yeah i think i pretty transparently was trying to do that yes that is obviously what i was trying to do and i think i was doing a pretty good job if we're being honest baby oh my god yeah none of the proud boys have babies too chris i have look i at least i didn't say as the father of a daughter which is like (laughs) i can do that now
0: um so yeah holly hunter and richard dreyfus are (laughs) they
1: you know the Um, truth is i i i have we can i have more to say about this movie but in a certain sense i also don't you know like i do i do i do i do but also i don't you know
0: it's harder when it's a great movie, when it's a good movie like this yeah i
1: was surprised and it's like it's like we were saying about streaming a minute ago like i had literally never heard of this movie in my life until we looked at we were looking at the films of 1991 list i was like Lasse hallstrom directed this movie and like richard dreyfuss and holly hunter and danny aiello and jenna rollins and i was like. I don't understand how this movie has been completely disappeared. And if you Google it, it'll say like 95% of people like this movie. And I'm like, why is this? Not, why have I never heard of this before? You know,
0: That's exactly how I feel about this movie. Like I, I, I tweeted something that like, it's an undiscovered gem and it is in the same. It's not as great as terms of endearment, but it's, I think it's in the same I'm league, definitely
1: in the same league.
0: I would say yes. So I have no idea why this movie, I, I mean, I think it deserves um, like a, a, a rebirth of some kind, you know, it does, it deserves to be refound and, and, and talked about because it is Richard Dreyfus is, uh, he's doing some like God tier at
1: performance. It's such shit. an unusual part for him. And he's be- he's such a fucking weirdo in this movie. His big thing, his other big thing we haven't even gotten into is that he's Lithuanian. <laughs> like, this, oh, is, he, this is a huge part of the plot of this movie is that he is Lithuanian, you know? Like,
0: it's just so cool, right?
1: It's and that so it's like, cool. It's so weird and unusual. Like never, never before in my life have I seen a movie. And he like sings multiple songs in what I am assuming is Lithuanian. Like
0: You like, I don't know if you like know, I, I've known some Lithuanian folks over oh, through my days. And they're very big into their culture, and they're very big in the singing. It's like a very root. It's a deeply rooted.
1: Is this true? Um, or are you fucking with me, or is it, this true?
0: I'm being I'm being totally on. totally serious. Um, I had a Lithuanian friend in college, and she would she had all these Lithuanian songs memorized, and she was not like born in Lithuania. You know, she was born in the states, had parents that were born in the states, but her Lithuanian roots were incredibly deep and strong. And my friend Linus is the same way.
1: Oh, is Linus Lithuanian.
0: Yeah, and oh, they have like very deep, strong roots. Well, to it's look. interesting because
1: that's treated so seriously in this movie. Like, you gotta wonder: is to the screenwriter know a bunch of Lithuanian people? Is she Lithuanian? Because it's from what you're saying, it's very true to life, and it's also very seldomly discussed in American culture, right?
0: Isn't, I mean, isn't it also kind of understated as well? Like, I mean, it's there, but it's not played up for like the kind of culture clashes
1: oh, no. that again,
0: you would get in movies now. No, it would where... sound like
1: a big joke where he like makes some really gross dinner and he's like, yeah, in Lithuania, we love pig butts, you know?
0: Right. Or, yeah, it's not played for like, and that was another thing that I said when I was watching this movie. And it's the way that I feel when I watch a lot of like early um uh early James L. Brooks movies is that like you really just don't get these like long-winded tales about human beings anymore, except that are well budgeted, except with Judd Apatow. And then with those, like you have to suffer through these like extended dick joke set pieces or these like overly long scenes that you're just sort of like hoping someone breaks during. <laughs> Right, like they're kind of they they kind of adhere to a lot of the cheap formula of of movies now. Whereas this, in terms of endearment or broadcast news, you know, even when they're presenting what could be a situational comedy, they somehow and it has to do with Lassie Holstrom's direction, I think too. They 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 make it very believable and real, rather than overplay it for like big, uh, broad laughs.
1: Yeah, like it, like play it in a, in a way that's not true to life. Like this movie has these what you're saying, like these kind of sitcom premises almost in multiple times in multiple scenes, but they just play it like very real and understated. I mean, I I don't watch these shows, so I can't one hundred percent make this comparison, but it did make me think like this kind of stuff now is TV shows like this is this is us and this is Parenthood. Like this that is where that kind of stuff is happening now. It's not happening in a feature film. Um, Which is unfortunate, I think, because, like, this movie is just under two hours long, and it's got so much life in it, you know? It tells such a sweeping story. It's almost like a movie from the 1940s or something. It's about this family over, you know, this period of time and people growing and changing. And, you know, you get to know people and get to love them and get to see them, like, you know, act a certain way and then try really hard to change themselves. And, like, it's in, like, less time than it takes for, like, a Marvel hero to punch somebody in the face. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like...
0: Didn't even talk about, um, uh, well, well. first thing I want to say is like in regards to the, the way that TV does it now, I think the big difference is that TV has to go on and on and on and on. So it's right. just a soap opera. You never get the sense of completion with television, even when you get to the season finale. Whereas this, it feels like a more artistic achievement because it, it's a complete story. It's like a novel you know, television is a group of writers trying to keep the story going, right? So eventually it becomes kind of like, oh, now she's cheating on him with this guy and now this and this and now this and this and this. And, this. All and right? let's
1: do a whole episode on this little minor part of the thing. And it's yeah. like, well, it's not really that important <laughs> in the story, you know? Whereas
0: one of the things that uh, I, lo- like a sequence of this film that I loved so much was Danny Aiello dealing with retirement. <laughs> right out of nowhere a portion of this movie is dedicated to the depression that Danny Aiello faces when he retires and he becomes impossible for Gina Rollins to deal with and it's like two or three scenes but then that bleeds into how Richard Dreyfuss handles people can't can't recognize the way other people are suffering and how to deal with them right so he like there's there's a bit of a so
1: mean to him in this scene yeah
0: yeah um and it upsets Holly Hunter, but also these things, they don't feel like these characters are completely, I don't want to say not original, but like the, the it feels like a regular fight between a couple, right? Yeah. Like someone would like, do identi- so- Like you
1: identify with it, like you understand it, you know?
0: Yeah, he would like, Richard Dreyfus isn't that far off for doing the stupid thing that he does and not recognizing that it was a dumb thing. And it's not like he yells at Holly Hunter and is like, You're fucking wrong. I'm right. She tells him that he needs to shut up, that she's right, and he stops. Yeah. Right? So- like it's a, it's actually a good scene. But I did love that all of a sudden. Danny Aiello is moping around in a robe and his wife is yelling at him because he won't get up and do anything. You know he's
1: like sitting on the couch all day. She's so mad at him about it, you know?
0: At what point before that took place in the movie did you ever see that being a part of the movie?
1: Never, never in a million years. But it's like we're saying, it's just like, and it, it doesn't, Like, is it adding to the story? Like, I mean, you could so easily cut it out and not really miss it, but it's like, it just adds something interesting to have it in there. And it seems very real and humanistic. It's not like, like I was watching on Twitter today, a deleted scene from the Return of the Jedi. That's like, luke holding a screwdriver to a lightsaber making a lightsaber while explaining how you make a lightsaber and you're like no it's good this was cut out <laughs> this does this is not adding anything to the movie and it actively makes the movie worse whereas this this is like it it's extraneous in a certain sense but it's like it's interesting and it's enjoyable and it's human and like
0: well it's like extraneous until they bring it to holly hunter and richard dreyfuss's home and Richard Dreyfus makes it worse for him because right. he doesn't know how to recognize that this person is suffering and needs a little more sensitivity than Richard Dreyfus can bring to the table. And that generally becomes Richard Dreyfus's character's you His know, foil. Yeah, he right. can't recognize other people's sensitivity that well. He's a beautiful, loving soul, but he's a he, he doesn't know how to he doesn't know when to stop.
1: Right, yeah, he definitely doesn't know when to stop. And that's like such an interesting thing to have the conflict be about between the family because the family is very overbearing, obviously. They're very loud and overbearing and they're always arguing with each other, but it's like somehow he doesn't like fit into the dynamic, you know, and he's, but he's not really doing anything wrong. Like they have this huge blow up about the um, baptism, but it's like in his culture, for his family, for generations, they've always done baptisms on some particular day. And he's like, so we just have to do the baptism on that day. And he doesn't ever ask for anything. You don't even ever see any of his friends or family, although they do at one point say, like, well, he has friends, you know. But, uh, like, you know, it's not really unreasonable to ask for, but it's like, oh, they don't want to do it. Um, well, and this is
0: the brother. The brother and his wife are supposed to go on vacation. Right, they're the supposed same to be on
1: vacation and they're like, just move it. And he's like, well, in my family for many generations, this is when we do the baptism. <laughs> and they're like, shut up, fuck you. They like get up to punch him in the face or something. they <laughs> <Like, laughs> get really upset.
0: And what I like, one of the things that I like about that scene is that we're thrust into that scene without any introduction.
1: Well, no, like, it's, I would say it's even worse than that because it's like a nice thing until that second. Like it's it's going nice. And then they all get in this huge fight.
0: Is it? I thought, maybe like, no. Maybe
1: it, I'm thinking of the Christmas dinner from later. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the Christmas yeah, dinner. Christmas
0: dinner later is nice, but like it's like a jump cut not a jump cut, but like it, all of a sudden you're thrust into this scene where people are arguing at the table, and you have to be like, what are they arguing about? What's what yeah. what's upsetting everybody here? And then you start to realize because you don't even hear baptism, you hear like the first things that I think you hear are Richard Dreyfuss smoking a cigarette being like, look, if my parents w- were going to be there, like it would be on this day. And they're like, well, your parents are dead. And he's like, exactly. And then you're like, what are they talking about? And then you hear baptism and then you hear date and then you hear vacation. So you're constantly catching up. Yeah. yeah. It
1: makes There's you so art. engaged as a viewer, right? Like,
0: <laughs> it's like another aspect. I wonder if that was in the script like that, or if that was like a, a like part a of life last- decision. Yeah. Direction because his direction is so, key and honed but effortless at the same time right like you yeah. never like oh this director is really doing a lot here
1: no it's just like you realize it's a well-directed movie because at a certain point you're like all these people seem like real people to me I don't even really feel like I'm watching actors despite the fact that it's like Richard Dreyfus, who's like incredibly famous but I'm just thinking about this person and I'm also like occasionally thinking like wow look how beautiful that is like wow that's really great and then I'm, I'm being continually surprised by things that are happening in the movie, even though it has kind of like a bunch of sitcom premises. So at a certain point you're like, wait, I think this is like an amazingly directed film. I think
0: So, so that reminds me that that makes me want to bring up, uh, Roger Ebert's review of it. Um, okay, I should have just had up on my computer because I knew I was going to do this, but no, <laughs> um, his last, I love his last, uh, sentences about uh, his last paragraph about, about the movie. Um, uh, watching the or uh, watching the coming attraction trailer for once around a few weeks ago, I observed to myself that it had not given me the slightest clue as to what this movie was about watching the movie. I have the same impression. It's an odd eccentric off center study of some very strange human natures. And at v- every turn, it confounds our expectations for them. It's untidy, unpredictable and made me feel very uncomfortable at times and it took me all the way through the process of writing this review to discover a surprising thing about this movie which is that i loved it
1: exactly i completely agree i completely agree right? yeah
0: I, on the other hand i mean i i kind of i i saw the trailer for the movie and i for some reason immediately was like i think i'm gonna love this movie it there was something i mean i love what's eating gilbert grape i think it's such a phenomenal film, and that's Lassie Holstrom as well. Um, And I had a feeling that like, watching the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks like a James L. Brooks movie and it's Lassie Holstrom. This could really be something special. And I love Holly Hunter at this time. And then within like, you know, I was texting you through the beginning and I was unsure about it for like the first 10 or 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden something clicked and I knew that I loved the movie. I just knew that it was going to be this human film where it was never going to go exactly where I expected, and it was going to solely focus on very subtle conflicts and dramas between these people. Yeah. You know? And it and it did, and it made it all the more rewarding in the last few scenes of the movie, which I guess you know at this point we should probably um, we should probably get to right. The family shows up at the baptism, and after the bat- at the baptism, as Richard Dreyfuss is holding his oh newborn newly baptized child up in front of him and he's doing this incredibly crazy laugh because he's this like just voracious lover of life right and he has a heart attack and they and and the next thing we know he is showing up to christmas dinner and um did you how did you feel about the scene when the limo shows up Holly Hunter gets out and Richard Dreyfuss is kind of afraid to get out of the car. And the family suddenly showers him with love.
1: (laughs) Danny Aiello picks him up out of the limo and carries him like a baby. And Richard Dreyfuss kisses him on the cheek. So huge. Like a kind of Bugs Bunny kiss on the, but it's so sweet. Oh my God, Ricky. It's like the sweetest thing I've ever seen in my life.
0: Before he even picks him up, the family goes running over to the limo and they're all like talking to him and asking him how he is and Danny Aiello clears them out and there's like a brief silence between the two of them and Aiello smiles this like beautiful, warm smile and says, how you doing, champ? You ready to go in there? I was like, I was done. I was
1: fucking oh God. Done. i'm like crying just remembering it like jesus christ it's just so beautiful i don't know somehow the movie just communicates this like complicated real humanity so well that by the end of the movie watching the characters like come to terms with each other it's so beautiful it's so beautiful
0: it communicates the complexity of human relationships and love right that like You love and you care for each other, but things get in the way and you make And
1: you get mad at each other and you like have all kinds of problems. Like I thought one of the things that was really interesting about the movie, going back to the scene, the baptism argument scene, that whole thing. It's like a big part of the movie, I think, is it's like, when your family is structured in such a way that like you have to have a certain identity, but like you outgrow that identity in the family, it can cause a lot of problems because everybody like, that's your role in this group of people is to act like this certain way. And it can be really hard when you don't act like that anymore. And I thought that was so well done. Like that's Holly Hunter. They need her to be like the screw up, you know, and like she's growing out of that and she's an adult and she's married and she has a baby and her husband is rich. And it's like, But they just, their family is not built to care about what she cares about. But to watch them like work that out and like come to terms with each other and reevaluate her, it's like, it's beautiful, you know? And they they also needed like a humbling on his end as
0: well to recognize how much they cared about him and loved him in a way, right? Like in a way it's selfish, but they sort of needed to see him be vulnerable to see the, they needed him to kind of need them Right. To, um, for them of
1: being up. this like bulletproof rich guy who's so like charismatic, they needed to, and like they're mad at him. Like who the fuck does this guy think he is? Like to see him brought low in a certain way and be like, oh he's just actually really sweet. Like I really love this person. They're actually a really really good person.
0: But then he goes inside. They go inside for the Christmas meal and they're all having a, a good time. And Richard Dreyfus starts smoking. And then. Holly Hunter runs into the other room because he has a heart condition now. He shouldn't be smoking. It's been established. And he comes into the room and you expect a big blowout fight. And once a fucking again, the movie turns on you where you're like, here comes this fight. Like what's going to happen? She's going to leave him or this is going to, you know, this is the way it's going to go. But she fights for a second and then he charms her and they don't fight, and they don't even really solve the issue of him not smoking, of him smoking or not smoking. They just make up very quickly because they have so much love for each other.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I know it's so interesting. It's so so interesting. Um, I mean, do you want to say the end of the movie? I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I hate it'd be it's it's weird to say the end of the movie because this is actually a movie that's kind of hard to find that we I yeah, downloaded. Well, we don't it have to, to. You know, we don't have to. Uh, suffice to say, there is. I will say like two more, two endings to the movie or two more endings. There's a big ending and then there's a, the resolution ending and they are both handled beautifully. The big ending is handled in this way that you think it's going to be one thing and it keeps setting you up for it to be this one thing. And then all of a sudden it's the
1: obvious thing. And you had forgotten that that was the obvious yeah, thing. Exactly so so good it's so good and i mean there is a moment i'll just say in there without getting too specific where richard dreyfus is holding the baby and the baby does some kind of stupid noise and he exactly copies the noise and does his mouth in kind of a funny way and i was like that's so touching like i do that i do that all the time and i was like that's so fucking sweet you know i really really liked it a lot red is very natural to me
0: yeah, that's. I'd imagine that's something that fathers fathers do a lot, or fathers and mothers do a lot. That's great. That's great.
1: Um, um Ricky, do you want to move it, on to our questions about this movie? Yeah, let's
0: do the let's do the cues, baby.
1: Q and on baby. Oh, bad week for Q and Speaking of, sorry, Q. World in disarray. <laughs> uh, Q world in disarray. Yeah, exactly. Ricky, what did you think the most '90s thing about this movie was? Um. That uh that's a difficult question because it it's again it's it's
0: nineteen nine it's the beginning of 1991 so shot in 1990 and it feels like an 80s movie i think especially with holly hunter playing yeah. a character like this you know she did this is a very raising arizona um uh, broadcast news holly hunter uh, she hasn't really moved into the piano crash era holly hunter yet which is more of the 90s hunter mm-hmm. that i that i that I think of. So in regards to her, that's it. I mean, I would say the most nineties thing about the movie is, uh, probably Laura San (laughs) Giacomo because (laughs) she has, um, I believe later this year, or maybe it was in 1990. She has sex lies and videotape. And then in the nineties, she has uh, just shoot me. And, you know, that's a fairly nineties, um, fairly nineties character in terms of thematic, uh elements and and story i don't really have anything that's it's a fairly universal almost timeless story yeah, it doesn't I mean, feel trapped in a decade to me
1: i maybe said this earlier but it is to me there's a, so, there's this kind of british movies from the mid to late 1940s that are that, like you were saying novelistic in this way about like a family over time and to me it almost slots in with movies like that better than like quote-unquote 90s movies <laughs> you know what i mean yeah Yeah, I mean, to me, the most 90s part of the movie, I mean, all my things are glib because I did them afterwards. But, like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of smoking in this movie. As you mentioned, smoking is a plot point in the movie, and, like, it's Richard Dreyfuss smokes a lot. But, like, it was interesting to see, like, and be reminded how little you see that in a movie these days. Um, Like, main characters, not just smoking, but smoking inside, smoking at the dinner table. Like, and again, that's maybe 80s. That's maybe 80s, but. He's smoking in front of
0: his pregnant wife at (laughs) times.
1: And you're like, oh my God. I mean, that is literally, literally something you would not see in a movie anymore, 100%. Um, Chris, what,
0: what is something What is something that this movie has grown out of? It's been 30 years since it came out. It's 30 years old. What's yeah, it out I mean,
1: normally, and when we talk about a bad movie, we talk about racism or sexism or something negative about the film. Um, And then I, when it's a good movie like this, I like to get a little bit nostalgic. And I mean, I think we said it a couple times, but you know, and this is the kind of like beautiful looking high budgeted starring movie stars sincerely written and acted drama for adults that I don't think you really find hardly ever. I mean actually last year The Nest with Jude Law is is kind of like this and I really really loved it because I felt like it felt like a movie out of time, but I I think you don't you don't get this anymore like cinema has kind of moved into this space where yeah, it's a soap opera for television or like it's a, it's a it's a comedy for some reason comedies are allowed to be about this kind of stuff but like you're saying you have to wade through 45 minutes of dick jokes. Like I was trying to think yeah. of a serious movie about adult male friendships and I could only think of like Judd Apatow and derivatives Wait. movies.
0: Um well here's the thing, once around's budget in 1991 was 16 million dollars. Wow. I'm willing to bet that the Nest's budget in 2021, nine.
1: Yeah. No, I think you're totally right. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's like and the like only family, nine, Jude Law is famous,
1: of, but like nine will get you what? You know? Yeah. 16 in 1991
0: will get you a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it, there's all sorts of like crazy crane shots and like complicated lighting and like, um, you know, lots of famous people are in the movie, like not just one, but like many famous people. Um, it's great. I mean, they don't, they don't, you know, as I often say on the show, Ricky, they don't make them like this no more.
0: You know who? You know who recently who tried to make a movie like this not that long ago? Although at this point, it's probably maybe t- almost ten years ago, I guess. Is that movie? I think Sean Levy made it called like This Is Where I Leave You. Oh yeah, I don't think um, I saw that. It's not good, and it kind of does everything that that we don't like that this movie didn't do, you know? Um, but at the same time, it was like trying to be a human relationship. I guess,
1: yeah, I guess you're um, right. I guess in the, like, the post-Garden uh, State world, there was a lot of movies like this, but they were always, mm-hmm. like, kind of quirky in a certain way. They had some kind of, like, like gimmick element to them or something.
0: Yeah. Or they didn't know how to bring about the satisfaction that a movie like this or terms of endearment or broadcast news does without dab, like dabbling in cliche or using tropes and, and and outcomes that are like kind of obvious. And like you said, you can, you can see coming from a mile away.
1: It is weird, right? Like, this a movie like this is where I leave you. You're totally right. Like this is a movie like this in a certain way, but it's like so much worse in ways that are so hard to articulate. Like a movie like once around is well done, well acted and just very like genuine and serious. Whereas a movie like this is like, I don't know. It just, it feels like crafted in a laboratory in a certain way.
0: I feel like once around believes in its characters and this is where I leave you believes in the vanity of the, of its performers.
1: Yeah. Right. It's like, we want to do something like this rather than like, here is a compelling story, you know?
0: Exactly. Um, what was your favorite part of the movie, Chris?
1: Oh, Ricky, I mean, I gotta say how pretty this movie was to look at. Like, I know I already mentioned the introduction of Richard Dreyfus, but they later on go back to basically, they must have shot it during the same sunset, but it's like a different view where it's a Holly Hunter and Richard Dreyfus like slow dancing against a very similar beautiful, beautiful sunset. And I was just like, this is fucking wild that this is happening in this movie. They had two scenes where this, these kinds of sunsets are going on. And that's just like emblematic of the way this movie is, you know, kind of taking its pledge to the viewer seriously and like working hard to make a piece of like enjoyable art and entertainment. And I, I really appreciated it and I, I liked it a lot. Uh, what about you
0: uh, I would say that my favorite part of the movie was uh, overall Richard Dreyfus. Uh, I'm not a fan of Richard Dreyfus. I've never really liked a Dreyfus performance and I loved his performance in this movie. It's um, great. Okay. I thought it was so, it wrote this really, fun, it never, it wrote a fine line of being like a loving, uh, big hearted person who is also arrogant and kind of a clown but it never made it never didn't believe in this guy. The performance was never over channeling the clownishness. You know, it never felt like it had to make him the joke, uh, which I love. I mean, no character is ever the joke of this movie.
1: No, they're all just like completely inhabiting their reality, which I think is so great and I mean, yeah, like we've been said before, the way Richard Dreyfus got inside the head of this character, I think is so unique, and the way he just you know he's like, well, what if I Richard Dreyfus was this guy <laughs> you know like and it's I think it, he like I said, I think, he has this kind of vulnerability to him that's very charming and endearing,
0: I think most performers especially now a not to continue to do that although we do this in every podcast now inevitable i can't help it would would look for a a, a winking irony in that performance yeah. you know they'd look for a way to like let you know they were in on a joke of some kind where dreyfus like, does I'm not
1: playing win. this crazy character like that kind of yeah. a thing you know
0: in a way like i didn't even at times like i didn't even i forgot i was watching richard dreyfus
1: that's what i said before like even though obviously it's richard and he looks comically like richard dreyfus you know in this movie and it's funny i was even googling like danny aiello age richard dreyfus age because he looks to be older than danny aiello in this movie although he is 15 years younger than danny aiello which is crazy but that also is a whole added dynamic to the movie that is completely not discussed at all you know but it's just you feel it as a as a viewer and it, it's kind of alluded to a little bit but definitely not explicitly um, richard
0: Dreyfuss is 15 years younger than danny aiello
1: yeah wow wow yeah right i know Richard um, Dreyfuss in the movie has like a full head of white hair and a white mustache. And Danny Aiello is about two feet taller than him, like made out of muscle and has black hair. And he's like, he's the, he's 15 years older, you know? But then again, you know, right? I mean, Richard Drivers is obviously not very healthy. <laughs> in the movie, he does have a heart attack at his baby's christening, you know?
0: Um. So... Uh, thirty years later, I would say that Once Around is a undiscovered gem that anybody who listens to this, um, the couple of you that do, yeah, you could probably just message me for the file because there's, <laughs> you know, I don't have to send it to that many people. So if you're listening and you want to watch Once Around, I'll happily, I'll, I'll send, I'll send you the file because you can't stream it anywhere.
1: Yeah, it's disappeared. It's like down the oldeat. Like this movie is gone from uh, modern life.
0: But it's really the kind of movie that deserves. Another look that deserves a re-release, and for people to write about it and talk about it. it's it's in the same. I hesitated to say it was in the same league as in Endear- terms, but I do think it is. I think it's in the same league as terms.
1: I mean, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastic movie. And I think it's very weird that, like it should be gone to the extent it's gone, especially, I mean, for no other reason than the screenwriter's connection to Hook, which is like an all-time classic, especially for millennials, it's like one of these, like, you know, very classic childhood movies, you'd think people would be at least interested in seeing, like, the movie that she made right before Hook, you know? Like, just on those grounds. And I mean, it obviously has so much more to offer than that, but it's, like, it is interesting to think about in that certain way, because I think Hook has a little bit of what we're talking about in this movie. It treats its characters with reality and and treats them, you know, as human beings, and is very, can be very emotional, and it's, like, watching this movie i was like oh yeah i can see that this woman wrote hook like that actually rules uh
0: so for next week we have um a movie by robert downey senior
1: yeah robert
0: downey jr's father uh who directed the class the cult classic putney swope which is which if you're listening and you've never seen putney swope it's essential go watch it uh an essential uh counterculture film um but he made a movie in 1990 released in 1991 called too much sun too much sun this is a movie about a multi-millionaire whose son is gay and whose daughter is a lesbian but he vows to leave his fortune to the first one who can produce a grandchild
1: (laughs) i mean i think we got to do that movie riggy like definitely
0: that's exactly what we're fucking doing. Yeah. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Eric Idle is in it. Ralph Macchio is in it. Andrea Martin um, and uh, Leo Rose. I can Rocky. picture
1: exactly the kind of movie this is from that cast. Ralph Macchio, Robert Downey Jr., Andrea Martin, like 1991 sex comedy. Like I'm 100% there.
0: Yes. and uh, it, it, This one is available on Amazon to watch. For those who uh, are listening uh, for all you 30 years heads who want to you know watch the movie first and then and then listen to our colorful commentary
1: yeah check it out brothers <laughs>